One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out Who's to blame? They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey, everyone. Oh, wow. I really survived that Pompeii-Mount Vesuvius eruption. (laughs) Don't worry. The wine, uh, I saved the wine, so good stuff. Now, thank you so much for joining us for our Alarmist live show. We are we have a really fun show uh, for tonight, and we're going to be talking about who's to blame for serial killer Ed Gein. Here's what you need to know. Norman Bates in Psycho. Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. What do these three nightmare-inducing horror movie characters have in common? All three were inspired by one real-life serial killer. His name was Ed Gein. Edward Theodore Gein was born on August 26th, 1906 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. His father was abusive and an alcoholic. His mother 
was a domineering religious fanatic. She taught Ed and his brother Henry that women and sex were evil. In 1914, the Geens moved to an isolated farm in Plainfield, Wisconsin, a small town on the middle of the state with a population of just over 700. Ed would go to school until the eighth grade, then drop out in order to help his mother and brother around the farm. The Geens mostly kept to themselves and had very limited interactions with people in their community. Ed was not known to have any friends and neither he or his brother ever married. A turning point for Ed came in 1940 when his father, after being bedridden for some time, passed away due to years of heavy drinking. Then, in 1944, Ed's brother mysteriously died during a controlled brush fire. The final blow came in 1945, a year later, when Ed's beloved mother Augusta also died after a stroke. In just five years, Ed had lost his entire family, and he was left in the old, decrepit farm all by himself. Ed started taking odd jobs around town after the death of his father. He worked as a handyman and babysat for some of the local families. But it was after his mother's death that the townspeople noticed a change in Ed. He'd stopped bathing, and he was growing increasingly recluse. Around the same time, a string of disappearances began in the area of Plainfield. There, there was at least five unsolved cases that happened in a 10-year span. One of those cases was that of Mary Hogan, a local middle-aged tavern keeper who in 1954 disappeared from her bar one night, leaving behind only a trail of blood. On November 16, 1957, the town's hardware store owner, Bernice Warden, went missing. Ed had reportedly been the last person seen at her store that morning. A receipt was found by the register, made out to Ed for the purchase of antifreeze. The cash register was missing, and the floor was spattered with blood. A lot of it. Following a hunch, the victim's son, who was the prior sheriff of Plainfield, accused Ed. Ed was immediately arrested, and authorities searched his home. Inside, they found a house of horrors. Mrs. Warden's decapitated body was discovered hanging upside down, butchered like a dressed deer. Authorities found a collection of human heads, furniture, and clothing, including a suit made out of human skin. Body parts were uncovered scattered around the house, as was a collection of masks made out of human faces. And in a bag, nestled in the mess, they found the head of tavern keeper Mary Hogan. Ed had frequented the, frequented the tavern, and people had noticed his fascination with the bar matron, but no one in town had ever thought Ed capable of such brutality. Investigators found the remains of upwards of 10 women, although only two could be identified as Bernice Warden and Mary Hogan. After days of interrogation, Ed finally admitted that the body parts scattered throughout the house belonged to multiple female corpses he'd stolen from grave sites at local cemeteries. 
a habit that he had gotten into after his mother's death. He claimed that he was trying to make a bodysuit made out of human flesh in order to bring his mother back from the dead. Ed Gein's farm became a Plainfield local attraction for curiosity seekers before it burned down in 1958, most likely in a blaze set by an arsonist. In 1968, he was deemed sane enough to stand trial. Ultimately, for the murder of Bernice Warden, Ed Gein was found guilty by reason of insanity and spent the rest of his days in a state facility. Fun facts, a.k.a. death stats. Ed Gein wasn't technically a serial killer. He only admitted to killing two women, and investigators were unable to link him to the other disappearances in the Plainfield, Wisconsin area. In order to fit the traditional definition of a serial killer, a person must have murdered three or more people. Gein admitted to taking over 40 trips to local cemeteries to dig up bodies for their parts. Gein was never charged with the death of Hogan or the grave robbing. To confirm his story, officials dug up two of the graves in the Plainfield Cemetery that he in- he had indicated he had robbed, but he ne- but they never checked the remaining eight graves Gein claimed to have disturbed. Several of the nicknames given to him were the Butcher of Plainfield and the Plainfield Ghoul. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hi, Rebecca. <laughs> Hi, should we call you Betty? Sure. <laughs> and fact checker Chris Smith. Oh, hey, guys. Bad news. It's 2008, and I work for the company Lehman Brothers. And so I was, my company went out of business because of mm. the financial disaster. Well, glad you could make it, uh, Chris. Um, and also, we ha- with us is Alarmy General Clayton Early. Hello, hello, guys. Uh, hold the order for a minute, please. Uh, got some popping hot coffee for you. Be oh, careful, okay. it's hot. <laughs> okay, uh, well, uh, Clayton is going to be manning the chat, so make sure that everyone uh, speak up with your thoughts during the discussion. He'll be able to pop back in and let us know what you're thinking. And I will be taking orders too, so if you want like a chicken nugget on the side, you just let me know, I'll see what I can do. Okay. Be sure to do that, everyone. And our very special guests today are Bria Grant and John Congleton. Hi. 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 So, Bria, hi. And John, Bria is a writer and director of the recent horror film 12 Hour Shift, as well as a co host of the Reading Glasses podcast. And John is a music composer, as well as an Ed Gein fanatic. Although I guess a fanatic is probably the wrong word. <laughs> You're not a, a fan of ge- of the Gein. No, I'm a fan. <laughs> oh, okay, great. It's good to have that perspective, I think, just so we're, you know, hear both sides. <laughs> and I think Gein head is the perfect term. Gein head. <laughs> if, they, if they had a bobblehead, John would have it. <laughs> It's surprising we don't have any Ed Gein art in our house. I'll be real with you. This man knows a lot about serial killers, although I guess Ed Gein is not technically one. Oh, okay. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. 
Not technically. Not technically. So I've mm-hmm. lied to everyone. I told everyone that we're, we were going to figure out who's to blame for a serial killer, but we're, it, he's just, what would you classify him as, John? Uh, like a, a demented? Um, <laughs> just a fun-loving deviant, I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I get, we're going to have a biased perspective here from John. I can already <laughs> tell. <laughs> So, um, you know, let's get started because we have so many things that we have to discuss. Um, First off, I want to start by kicking it off with this horrific list I found of things that uh, authorities found inside Ed Gein's house. Now, Clayton, you're going to uh, give our audience a link to some of the photos in the chat. So if you care to look at these photos as we talk <laughs> along, uh, you can do so. Now, this is what was found inside the home. Whole human bones and fragments, four chairs that were uh, th- where the woven seat had been replaced by strips of human skin, lampshades, bracelets, a wastebasket, a tom-tom drum, and the sheath of a hunting knife all made from human skin, skulls on his bedposts, very decorative, female skulls, some of the tops had been sawn off, bowls from human skulls, so he would eat off of these human skulls, a vest made from a female torso skinned from the shoulders to the waist, Uh, Several pair of leggings made from human leg skin, at least nine masks that were made from peeled skin off of skulls from nine women, no eyes, uh, just the holes where the eyes would be, and the hair was still attached. Some of them had lipsticks on on their mouth. Mary Hogan's face in a paper bag, Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack, Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Gein's pot-bellied stove, and a pile of entrails still warm, wrapped in a newspaper. A belt made from female human nipples. You'd think think we'd be done with it, right? Okay. (laughs) Uh, A a shoebox filled with female genitalia, nine vulvas total, including a recently excised vulva, believed to be that of Bernice, another box with four noses. And I believe that covers it all. I would like to take, I have a little bit of problems. Well, I have a lot of problems, but I have a problem with the term leggings in this situation (laughs) because you're talking about legs, right? (laughs) Not leggings, like they're legs, right? Well, insides removed that's not what a legging is like when I go to my room and I'm like I go to I go like my closet I don't put on like someone else's legs yeah that list was definitely written by a man yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah when I put leggings it's to put my uh, smooth out my legs right you don't want the creases of sewn but you know skin on your leggings Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's a really good point. And I'm really glad you brought, brought that up first, just to clear the air. <laughs> just listen, you can do a belt and nipples all day, but like, don't try to sell me on a pair of leggings made of legs. <laughs> Noted. Hey guys. Now, cl- yes, I'm going to jump in here. 
I just want to jump in because you're on this list and I feel like earlier you brought up that there was a, a suit made of skin that was found, correct? Uh, yes, you mean the vest? Yes, um, well, at, I, Adam was wanting to know if it was a three-piece suit or what kind of suit was being made with the skin. So I thought maybe Chris put you to work on yeah. that. Yeah, I can get on that. We can get the <laughs> fa fashion industry involved for sure. Also oh! just want to say, Oh, while uh, on that, uh, we also had someone say there was, he was making a nipple belt and they did also suggest the fashion industry, which I thought Rebecca, you'd be a fan of. And I just want to say quickly that this is an international crowd. We have people from Australia on this uh, episode watching us. We have people from DC and Memphis. So this is a great crowd. They're really excited to figure this out with you. I got to wow. get that to That's right. <laughs> it's really late. I think it's really late in Australia. So whoever's on there is, is making it a late night. Or is it the morning? Is it tomorrow morning? It's tomorrow morning. Yeah, isn't it? Aren't they? It's morning. They're it's having the a morning. mimosa. They're having a mimosa. <laughs> oh, amazing. It's know. Saturday morning. How fun. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, yeah, I think let's put the fashion industry. Let's just start off with the fashion industry. There's also there's also a lampshade. You mentioned the lampshade, but also the cord for the lampshade was made of lips. Oh, of lips? Y'all thought I was making it up that he's really into this story. Brilliant. I know. John, I have to talk about my relationship for a moment because <laughs> this is also just a, this is a therapy. This, you're a therapist, right? I don't um, <laughs> Literally every night he falls asleep listening to serial killer documentaries. Every night. That's not true. Most nights, 90% of nights. And then, uh, but he listens to them on his ear pods. And then in the middle of the night, the ear pods will disconnect. So then it will just be someone still talking about serial killers. No. No. Like, and there was a cord made of lips. Um, that That's a fuck playing in the middle of the night while I'm trying to sleep. What's the big deal? <laughs> this happens multiple times a week. That's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, is not right for you to do that to a partner ever. <laughs> um, so what th this, this lampshade made of lips, um, is this the one that has like a, a, a spine? The, 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 I don't know, the rod of the, the lamp is a spine. No, no. Like the, what do you call it? The drawstring for the lampshade. Oh was yeah which I always wondered was were the lips long ways or were they still like lips and just like, did they stack them? <laughs> that's a lot of lips. That's a lot of lips. But if it's like, if they're stretched out, that's like five lips. No big deal. Now, John, I have to ask you, how's your relationship with your mother? <laughs> <laughs> it's up and down. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, speaking of mothers, I also think we need to put Gein's parents up on the board. Now, uh, a little bit Sorry, of Rebecca, background. Before you move on, you move on yeah. I just wanted to answer Adam's question. It's a two-piece seersucker was what Gein was going for. You can keep, you can keep that. Wow. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be a standard vest, but he, the, the fashion yeah. industry is somehow being uh, a little more suspicious now. Okay. We got to get the, we got to get the fashion industry on the board. We just might today. So Gein really had a messed up childhood. His dad was an abusive alcoholic, like we said, and his mom was a super religious uh, fanatic. His dad had a traumatic childhood 
as well. Around the age of three, his mother, father, and older sister went to town on an errand and their wagon was caught in a flash flood. Now, remember, this is like late 1800s. Um, They all died and George was left an orphan. Now, according to uh, Ranker.com, Gein's parents had a reportedly tumultuous tumultuous relationship. He is said to have uh, beaten her in front of the kids. And she'd respond to the beating by praying for his death in front of him. Uh, After Gein was arrested, he was evaluated, and the mental health professionals asked him about his earliest childhood memories. One of the memories he described was of falling down the stairs in the family kitchen. He recalls that his mother, who he referred to as a saint, uh, saved him in the incident while also he remembers that it felt as though he had initially been pushed down the stairs. The psychiatrist evaluating him theorized that his mother likely first pushed her child before catching him. Now, there's another story. I'll just tell this one other one uh, where Augusta, the mother, had given Ed a few coins to go to the bakery and buy a loaf of bread. He was about seven years old at the time. And by the time he got to the shop, he'd lost the coins. For a long time, he stood out in the corner, scared to go back home. And when he finally did, he sobbed and he confessed to his mother what happened. She looked at him and said, you dreadful child, only a mother could love you. So not the warmest of homes, perhaps. Just a thought, Bria, you know, if you really want to instill fear in John to get him to stop with the headphone um, malarkey, then, you know, these are some scare tactics you can use. Push him down a staircase and save him, pray for his death, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it feels to me like with the religious stuff, I mean, I feel like religion should be on the board. I don't know Ooh. who does on the board, Rebecca. Do we get to throw things? We can throw things up there? Absolutely. Feel free. Okay. You're doing it right. Okay, because I just feel like this is a woman who obviously had some mental illness of her own, some issues that she was dealing with, but was able to like scapegoat religion, not even scapegoat, like rely on religion as a way of of saying like, don't worry, God is going to take care of it. And obviously God was not living at Ed Gein's house, I don't think. No, no. Not no. Not, I don't think so. Not, uh, not the God, not the God we're all familiar with. Perhaps a different <laughs> kind. Of... Hey guys. What's up, Clay? Uh, Chris, Ellen appreciated your use of the word malarkey. Just FYI, I thought you'd like to hear that. Um, since, we're get throwing, <laughs> since, we're, since we're throwing a few things on the board, just a few things that have been popping up while you guys have been chatting. DIYers, should we throw them on the board? Wisconsin, <laughs> if it doesn't vote blue. Wisconsin uh, and Donald Trump, religion and parents getting a lot of love for uh, putting that or praying up on the board. So I just want to just throw those things out there because it's happening here in the chat room. Okay, I love I love the chat. So and Wisconsin you- should definitely go up on the board, right? Because don't forget that's also where Dahmer's from. Mm. And was- no, there's no real evidence that uh, that Gein actually performed necrophilia or ate any of these people, but come on. He spent a lot of time with these dead bodies. So g- give our, our listeners a little background on Dahmer, that connection. <laughs> <laughs> well, he lived in Wisconsin. Uh, he lived in uh, Milwaukee. Uh, and um, 
he um, he spent a lot of time with dead bodies as well. So okay. we, we need to throw Wisconsin up there, I think. So there's it seems to be a culture of 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 hanging out with dead bodies in Wisconsin. I've never been. Um mm. But I, I'm sure our listeners have a lot of uh, opinions about this. <laughs> I so mean, I, since we're talking about Wisconsin, I, I was going to throw up uh, Midwestern pleasantries. So I, I think that maybe this is a Wisconsin thing, too. But there's a story where um, after Mary Hogan went missing, she's the tavern keeper, uh, a Plainfield resident, Elmo Uick. I said that wrong, but that's okay. Um, he teased Ed about his obsession with with uh, Mary Hogan. And he said, if you had spent more time courting Mary, she'd be cooking for you instead of missing. Ed merely rolled his eyes, according to uh, Elmo. And he later recalls him uh, wiggling his nose like a dog sniffing a skunk. And he said, she's not missing. She's down at the house now. But Eddie just thought he was, you know, Ed, weird old Ed talking crazy. That and he, is and creepy. Because of like the Wisconsin pleasantries, he didn't like report it. I, right. Like, he, he didn't take it seriously. He just was like, what a what a silly man. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the jokester. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, like. Yeah, I'm just gonna, just checking in quick, kind of like on the subject here. We're getting a lot of calls for misogyny to be up on the board, and I feel like. Oh, know. interesting. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, I hadn't thought all, of that angle. Were they all women, all the bodies? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. that was the question, which they were. So, I, I second that because you haven't gotten into it, Rebecca, but I I'm, I assume you will, but her his mother was taught Ed that all women were uh like harlots and and basically all prostitutes except for her and so you could go ahead and say the patriarchy as well too internalized oh patriarchy. well, we well love that john we love we're always <laughs> trying to get the patriarchy you are fitting right in uh, but right that, <laughs> i think that's perfect well, segue belongs. <laughs> don't get me started um that and the fashion industry so um we have to talk about uh, the mother's religious fanaticism because that's another thing um, that, like you were saying, uh, that really ties into her mentality and Ed's then therefore mentality um, for uh, for women. Um, so Gein's mother, a, she was a highly devoted Lutheran, emphasized extreme religious beliefs to her sons. Uh, dis- she's described as a puritanical woman. She promoted fear of carnal sin which she maintained existed all around them. She taught her sons that women were vessels of sin and caused disease. Now, psychologists also maintain uh, how mother's mother's dominance, uh, as exhibited in uh, Augusta's religious fanaticism, can negatively affect the development of their children, particularly males. As an adult, Gein reportedly only left the house and home to go to work, and he never romantically dated. Psych uh, evaluations linked his social isolation to his mother's domineering perspective of women as untrustworthy and tainted. No one was pious enough for her. So this uh, this uh, author of this article put it much nicer than you, uh, John. Uh, <laughs> What did you say? Women are 
harlots. Harlots. No, that's right. That. <laughs> no, that's what John said. So John said, no, Did we isolate that clip. We got, we isolated that clip. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I've got We're it pulled read- already. I've already sent it out to all the media. I'm going to argue against this for a moment though, because I feel like in these situations, the mothers, we always blame the mothers and like, and I do think like on a larger scale, it is this sort of internalized misogyny or, or internalized patriarchy. patriarchy. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Because I feel like, especially like there was a, there was a time for uh, like the mental health industry where everyone blamed the moms and that was like it's the Freud. 50s, 60s. No, it's oh, Freud. It's textbook Freud. I'll, I'll let the, the, the serial killer. I'm a Freud head too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a Freud head. I don't, I just don't love the, I I mean, look, it's your board. You can do whatever you want, but it's our board. It's our board now. I'm going to argue. Look, I know it sounds like his mother was a real B, but I just feel like I don't, I feel like maybe there's bigger issues here. I don't know. Let's keep getting into it. I'm going to argue again. I agree. And for that reason, I, I think while we're putting religious fanaticism, but we should have it be the parents because it is a, a, a combo. When you have a kid, it's a combo platter. Well, yeah. that's what I was going to say, that part of the patriarchy is this um, ingrained kind of system of the sort of family is the dad goes and earns the money and the mom stays home with the kids. And in modern society it's not so much like that but back then that was just sort of well ingrained and a lot of these moms probably could have used a helping hand i would think in a lot of these situations we know a lot Thank of you chris these... as betty broderick <laughs> betty broderick agrees yeah right <laughs> um did anybody order a big mac in here <laughs> trying to find somebody ordered a big mac. no onion oh no onion okay Okay, sorry. Um, anyway, while I'm here, I'll just let you know that uh, we did get a second for Freud to be thrown on the board. So, John, I figured you'd be happy about that. Uh, and also, same uh, person, Jay Cohen, brought up something that I thought was interesting, saying, is it possible that uh, Gein was gay and that he was driven to murder over his mother's hatred of him for being that, for being gay? Yes. I mean, <sighs> it, it is... It is possible, uh, John. Uh, here, uh, we're going to speak to this, um, but I, I, it's not uh, hasn't been confirmed. It was never confirmed, and he's not here with us to, you know, uh, ask him. Obviously, but I was going to suggest that we put um, the 1950s kind of closed-minded view on uh, gender and sexuality um, because. Gein really wondered, uh, it's, it's been reported that he did wonder what it was like to be a woman. Um, he would sometimes talk to the townspeople about um, this uh, Christine Jorgensen, and she was a World War II soldier who got gender reassignment surgery. And uh, they just, he, he would talk about her, I guess, a lot. And they would just write him off as, you know, just being uh, weird and his, his interest in this procedure, um, people just wrote it off as like, you know, they, it was the 1950s. So they didn't want to have it. Now uh, let's remember that we learned this in the Stonewall riots episode. Um, It was in 1952 that the American psychiatric association listed homosexuality as a mental illness under uh, the section called sexual deviation. So this is the 
we have to take into, uh, we just have to take this context um, and think about it because I think it says a lot about his, I don't know, uh, repressed um, sexuality mm-hmm. um, or his inability to either come out and say that he he's gay or he, he um, is, you know, wants to have uh, surgery. So um, yes, John. Step one of becoming a woman is you make a belt of nipples. Then that's, that's he's on the right path. You find a belt of nipples, wear that thing. Which is weird because men have nipples too. Let's remember. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I'd wear a belt of male nipples. I mean, that's absolutely. Nice. <laughs> There's yeah, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Okay, so I have 1950s repression up on the board. Let's get some more stuff up before we bring on our guest expert. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, we have to put uh, uh, there's a a death, the death of his brother. This was a major factor. Now, now people, his brother died in a mysterious brush fire. And Ed, who was with his brother at the time, said that the fire, which they were trying to put out, engulfed the area. And Henry was in it, and he lost sight of him. Once the fire gets extinguished, Ed can't find his brother and reports it to authorities. When they arrive, Ed then leads them right to Henry's body. Uh, And when they asked him how he knew he was there... Uh, how he knew exactly where he was, Ed responded, funny how that works. I mean, this guy is just throwing clues left and right. This also, I feel like on the board, we need like dim-witted local cops or something, because like that feels to me like if that was in a, like Fargo, I'd be like, okay, like they, they didn't catch on. Come on, Fargo writers, you know, like, I, like that feels a little too cutesy to me. I agree. And, you know, there's this weird thing that happened where um, so Ed and Henry are left alone with the mother after the father dies. And this is a big part of it. Now, it's said that um, Henry began to become more independent and um, his mother was less influential uh, on him. And he started to talk to Ed about maybe moving out and establishing his own uh, identity outside of the family. Ed, of course, did not like Henry doubting or crossing their mother. So did he get rid of his brother? Was he the first uh, victim? Yeah, I say yes. I, I mean, the, the, the body, his brother's body had huge gashes on his skull. So well, I'm going to say yeah. That fire must have been like really big. fire was made of knives (laughs) (laughs) becca by any chance do you know if the fire was started by a local gender reveal (laughs) (laughs) we'll have chris check that up (laughs) right on it nipples did the brother have afterwards how many nipples so many nipples for a belt i can't get this nipple belt out of my head like think about how many are they on okay do you think he sewed them together piece by piece or are they on a belt and they are decor you know the answer i don't know oh, i thought you're gonna tell me well i think the it, best way i, think it's just I could about, describe I think it's, it it's just about finding people with huge nipples i mean it's not that big of a deal 
Yeah, you know I know a few. Everybody. I've already got a f- five or six in my mind that I would in my just in my family alone. So I mean, I'm happy. No, <laughs> no, no. You yeah. remember those bottle cap? Uh, those bottle cap. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, the bottle cap belts from like the night. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. That's I, that's I, what it's that. like. Yeah, I picture it that too, where it's like a belt, but then it's the nipples are decor. decor it's not the yeah. nipples are not holding it together. Yeah. No, I think they are. I think the you know, I, I think he cuts far <laughs> he cuts Clayton, far I just want to ask Clayton, the are the people so connect? Are the people in the chat enjoying this conversation? Do they want us to keep going or <laughs> what's the chat saying? <laughs> That's a very loaded question, man. <laughs> are you not enjoying this conversation? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not okay. I'm not saying that either way. I just want to know what is the chat saying? Because chat is saying <laughs> Uh, they're asking if Ed himself is on the board, which if you haven't put him, he himself up there, um, we're getting, what else is going on? We've got some Midwestern individualism. Um, we've got, uh, why didn't the people, like, did people not notice that the graves were just being robbed with all these body parts that were found in his house? Like what's going on with all the townspeople? Why are they such odd ducks? Okay. (laughs) So grave security. Grave security. Honestly, we can put grave security up on the board. A good old old fashioned ghost to scare them off. I mean, why can't we put that on the board? (laughs) Well, (laughs) what he would do is his method of grave digging was that he'd look for um, the obituaries in the obituary section. He'd look for women who were middle aged, um, who had passed away and were, um, being, uh, 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 you know, had their, um, oh my God, fresh. what is the word? For fresh, fresh bodies. Yes. They, he made sure they had nipple. The obituary stated that they had nipples <laughs> and, um, and then they, no, they were, they had a funeral. Jesus, the word is funeral. Um, so the, well, you know, in Wisconsin, it's it's legal. You have to put your name and then the day you were born, the day you died, and then how many nipples you had. So it would be. Oh. Uh, how many you died? Yeah. So <laughs> he. Person. What what I what what is saying what I was saying is that it, it, the the ground was freshly dug, so people wouldn't have noticed. Ah. Um. As much. Ah. Loose soil. And loose soil. That's right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about this um, woman and the dog. So uh, uh, the book Deviant by Harold Schechter um, says that in an article that appeared in the Madison Capital Times under the headline, Gein diagnose- diagnoses his own case, blames dog. It says that he described to his attorneys a distressing incident that he and his mother had witnessed back in 1945, right before she had her second stroke. They'd gone to a neighborhood farm to purchase some straw and had come upon the owner in the process of beating a puppy to death. A woman came rushing out at the uh, and uh, at the man to stop yelling at him, telling him to stop. And he said his mother had been terribly upset, not at the beating of the dog, but because the woman wasn't married to the farmer and shouldn't have been in the house. As a result, Gein was convicted, uh, convinced that Augusta had suffered her second stroke, the one that killed her because of this. It was the unbearable loneliness later that caused 
uh, caused by his mother's death, which drove him to do everything. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So what is that on the board? What should I put? I think it's a, there's a misplaced anger, like a, a real misplaced anger situation happening here. From the mom? A real... Yeah, I mean, he seems to not take any um, responsibility for any of his actions. You know, mm. his, um, you know, he dug thing. you know, dug, he made these body suits because he missed his mom and also was trying to bring her back from the dead, which was a part, a big part of it. Um, he stated that he, he thought that he had the conviction he possessed, he was able possess the power to raise people from the dead. So he really did believe this. Um, and that is, it, there was something there like where he's trying to bring people back from the dead. He's just, he's really not taking responsibility. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It also feels like maybe it's like a, um, like a belief in the supernatural or something like that. That is like a little bit of like the, I mean, maybe that's also the religious part of it. I'm not sure. I, I think that's absolutely the religious part of it. Cause like I would have thought I was raised Catholic and I probably thought I could raise people from the dead. <laughs> And Jesus could, right? Uh, that's right. It's a big part of our, it's a big part of the culture. <laughs> so I mean, Rebecca, I... do you have any more, but we got to get Alyssa on. So should we start yeah. transitioning to the guest expert? Well, of course we need to put Gein himself up there. Got him. Uh, necrophilia, right? Uh, for uh, those. How about his, his, his um, untreated psychosis? Yeah. Yes. Untreated schizophrenia is what they they called it or, you know, the, the psychologists evaluated him and uh, diagnosed him with. But um, they, they said he had a chronic schizophrenia um, and he could not be responsible for his actions. Their reasoning was that schizophrenics can act reasonably at some times while being psychotic during other times. That's why they said it was chronic. They said he lived a divided life. Of course, this was untreated, right? Because people with schizophrenia are um, able to live a uh, a very productive and fine life um, if they're treated. Um, so we have to put this aspect up on the board. And I mean, we're, we have to get Alyssa in here, um, but... I do want to say that crime magazines could have been to blame as well. So, John, listen up, okay? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, do it. More <laughs> so, Gein had a massive collection of quasi-pornographic crime publications. At the time, a controversial issue in the 1950s in America were so societal concerns over excessive comic book violence. Gein's favorite reading materials were said to have been those that contained body snatching, cannibalism, and Ilse Coke, uh, known as the Witch of Buckenwald. She was the wife of a uh, commander, uh, commandant of a Nazi concentration camp, Notorious for her perversion and cruelty, she was said to have ordered the death of inmates who had tattooed skin that she liked and then removed the skin, using it to make lampshades, book coverings, and gloves. 
Oh my god. So this is awesome. This is like blaming the media kind of thing. Kind of. Yeah. Which is, we love to do. Yeah, this is like Marilyn Manson in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like blaming video games now. Yeah, video, yeah, like video games or horror movies or something. Yeah. So, I mean, perhaps this is the uh, perfect time to bring in our guest expert, um, Alyssa Smith. Now, she's back by popular demand. Alyssa is a doctoral candidate in history who specializes in the history of violence in pop culture at the University of Chicago. And you'll also remember Alyssa from the Aftermath episode on Betty Broderick. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, everyone. How's it going? I'm glad to be here. We're so happy to have you. Um, so let's just start off. I know that you your work focuses on the representation of violence and crime in the media and, and pop culture. How did the media react to Gein's case and how was he portrayed? Sure. So, well, first of all, I'm like very excited. I think we've gotten close to like a lot of the things that I'm going to say already. So you all are on a like very good track, but um, yay! yay! Agrees with us. <laughs> um, this is a small town crime in Plainfield, Wisconsin, like we said, but um, it does make its way to the news. And so I want to give us just a little bit of historical background, obviously. Um, we've already talked about this a little bit, but there's a historian named George Chauncey, um, and he's actually written about sex crime panics in the Midwest during the 1950s. And this isn't really like a sex crime, traditionally speaking, but I think that his insights are useful in um, helping us understand Ed Gein. So while sensational crimes were like not really representative of what crime looked like, I mean, this is this is kind of always true. You know, these spectacle cases are ne not necessarily representative of what uh, your everyday crime looks like, right? But they become sort of imbricated in these broader issues that are already happening. So we have a broader panic about sex deviance, which we already talked about, um, and violent crime during the 50s that George Chauncey argues reflected tensions in family life and in sexual culture after World War II. So he argues that like through the media and also through um Policing, which was sort of not as professionalized at this time, Bria, you already pointed to this, but was sort of ramping up a little bit more. And then also through psychiatry, sex crimes are becoming increasingly linked to gay men in, a, in the popular imagination. So this is something that all we, we already have talked about, right? And really importantly, George Chauncey says that the responsibility for raising male children to not be deviant falls on the mother. So in order to not make an Ed Gein, <laughs> you have to make sure that you're displaying proper, you know, gender roles in the home and like producing the right kind of child. So you can see that there's a way that like these broader trends in crime and punishment during the 1950s are linking sexual devi deviancy to like psychopathy at the same time that we have these cultural concerns about like a man's relationship to his mother. Um, so obviously this story was a hit <laughs> in the press because it's it's ticking a lot of boxes, right? And Bria is totally right that we always blame the mother. I'm I'm like very resistant to that as well because this is like part of a history of, you know, pathologizing women um, 
And there's also a lot of anxiety about men's relationships to other men at this period, because after World War II, you know, we've had a lot of guys, we've got, we've got a lot of dudes in barracks with other dudes for a lot of time. And so they all come back after the war and it's like, what is their relationship like? What is their relationship to women like? So you can see how all of that produces, um, you know, the narratives that make the movie Psycho. And then the other thing that I want to point out um, happening after this is that there's a lot of people moving to cities in the post-war era and other crime narratives that people are used to seeing often have to do with urban narratives of like a stranger attacking you. And this one is especially spooky because it's kind of like just this dude, like he's just like a guy who lives in the town. Right. And so there's this, there's this added rural element of like, this is supposed to be a safe space um, specifically for white people because rural towns, especially, you know, would have been, places known for like sundown towns in the fifties for specifically like black travelers. But this is like a, a, a horror for white people about like what rural life is like. Right. Um, so those are all like, I guess that's what I would say about how the media reacted. And then I can talk more about some other stuff too. Yes, please talk more about other stuff. I mean, I was going <laughs> to ask you <laughs> what, um, like, what is it about these crimes that make us equally horrified and yet at the same time unable to look away is, is please help yeah. us. I think this crime is so interesting. We've talked a lot about this. Um, the objects are such an important part of it. Um, I'll come back around to this too, but I want to just go back a little bit to talk about the serial killer concept and give us a little more background on that because, you know, we, we were surprised, I think at the beginning to find out that Ed Gein is not a serial killer. Um, the most interesting part about this story, I think, and the reason that like it is so enduring is that he doesn't fit this mold, but like he becomes a template for a whole lot of other serial killers through like horror films, right? So um, the term serial killer was not really used until the 1980s. And it's it's really like an FBI term that has to do with, Rebecca, you already went over this, like a couple different boxes of like how many people over a certain period of time. But really it was about like determining how local cases were going to get aid from federal law enforcement. Um, and at, in 1957, that just like didn't exist. So that, so later it, it's about like organized crimes and things like that. None of that really applies to Gein, but yet he becomes this like figure that we associate with all these other serial killers. So like, how does this happen? Right. Most of those images are about like the grave robbing and the corpses and these, these, like the lamp that we've talked about, the lampshade, the lips, the, the belt, all of these things. Um, there's this sort of supernatural, like mythical quality to the violence that's happening that becomes very easily like repeated and horror as a genre is like a super self-referential genre. So they're also like referencing each other in horror films in ways that are like kind of unexpected. Um, and then I know that also like after all of this, people are still sort of trying to attribute other crimes back to him. Like we talked about this already. People are just searching like random missing people in the fifties in Wisconsin and being like, maybe that was Ed Keen, right? Um, so I do want to talk just like a little bit about those connections to horror movies specifically and the way that like his story makes its way into our like popular imagination. Um, obviously Psycho is the, is the one that's like, most present. He was the one who inspired Norman Bates. Um, and the centrality of the relationship between Norman and his mother is like the main scary thing about the movie. But then there are also these other, these other things that come up like the house of horrors, um, which is a really common horror trope 
over the following, you know, couple decades of sort of stepping. It's based on the accounts of the law enforcement officers going through this house um, and seeing all this stuff and it's like popping out and it's dark and they're using flashlights. You know, those are things that like come from Gein. Um, and then also, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is this also rural story about like that has, this is honestly one of my least favorite horror films. I don't know if it's like the imagery. I'm not like a huge fan, but there's so much imagery of like taxidermied people and like, it's just horrifying. And then um, I found one today that I wasn't even expecting, but Halloween, which was made in 1978 and is sort of like our most famous serial killer slasher film. Um, I didn't even realize that it is referencing Psycho by having a character named Sam Loomis after the character named Sam Lewis and Psycho. And so there are these ways that all of these things are popping up, right? Um, but the last one that I want to talk about is in the 90s when Gein becomes the uh, inspiration for Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. This is so directly about like the skin suit. He's trying to, for people who haven't seen this movie, he's murdering women to make a suit that he can wear so that he can sort of become a woman. And so in the nineties, we can see how like these same sexual deviance narratives that George Chauncey was talking about in the fifties are now in the nineties about like trans people. And they become these more like harmful narratives about like putting on an identity and like, what does that mean? And is that, is that violent? And is that criminal and things like that? So basically through all of these films, you can see how like the serial killer narratives from the 80s and the 90s, they get like projected backward onto Gein, even though like that doesn't really make sense. Once we have this narrative, we read it backwards and he becomes like a cult figure. And then he just kind of like stands in for whatever we're afraid of at any given time that we're making horror films about him. So it's almost like a projection, like should we put projection up on the board? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think horror does that a lot for us. That's, that's one of the, that's one of the functions that it serves in our society is that it takes our fears and it makes them into something that like we want to consume and even maybe it resolves it in a way, right? Like we, we, we like a happy ending or whatever. Um, So anytime you see a specific figure continuing to come up in horror films, like that means that that is like telling us something about how that figure is evolving over time and what it's telling us about, like what we're afraid of. So there's a lot of uh, jokes about Gein that pop up after the murders. Um, Jokes like why did uh, they have to keep the heat on in Ed Gein's house? So the furniture wouldn't get goosebumps. That was a joke that was popular. Um, (laughs) What did Ed Gein say to the sheriff who arrested him? Have a heart. And why won't, en- <laughs> why won't anyone play poker with Ed Gein? He might come up with a good hand. <laughs> but um, <bum. laughs> Thanks, Amanda. So why does society partake in this kind of like gallows humor? Like, are we just coping? I, uh, why are we, why am I doing what I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> Is this for me? <laughs> you came on here. You said you'd give us some answers. Oh, give us Lord. some answers. We're having an existential crisis over here. Yeah, I mean, I think like I don't know that this. I'm a historian, so I only have so much I can work with and speak to. But I, I think that generally this is like a coping mechanism for all of us. Like violence is around us all the time, and like this is a way that we can sort of 
consume it in a very controlled way. It makes us feel a little bit safe, but also like vicariously, like we're learning about how to be safer. Um, but you know, yeah. we're all, we're all like, fucked up. I don't know. <laughs> like the extremity of it, the extremeness of like making a lampshade out of a woman or something. It's kind of like knowing the ex- most extreme is like important to me for some reason. Like I need to know what the worst is. So that way, like if something not so bad happens to me, I'm like, well, at least I'm getting get made into a lampshade, you know, like, <laughs> kind of helps for some reason. That's right. Very optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's why people so, scroll through their exes on Facebook, you know, <laughs> could have been way worse, right? Looking for lampshade. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's right. That's it. I think another thing that this does is like, we talked about this a little bit. Like if he's getting these images partly from like images from Nazi atrocities, like this is a way for us to, to like, look at this really unspeakable large scale violence that we don't know what to do with and put it into one person and be like, oh, this is such an evil guy. That's where all the evil is when really like, you know, this is all around us all the time. Yeah, I mean, you're in a way we we can't not put World War II up on the board because that is really affecting the psyche of so many people um, at the time. I'm I'm sure it it definitely had to you know permeate the the town of uh, Plainfield. It was yeah, everywhere. So, Alyssa, finally, if you had to pick one person or thing. Uh, for who's to blame for Ed Gein? Who or what would it be? Uh, I This one is really like especially hard because I think it's just very clear that everybody in the situation was like not having a good time. Um, I think that, <laughs> I think that like Ed Gein was very clearly abused by his mother. I imagine that his mother was probably abused at some time as well. So like I tend to, whenever someone asks me, about violent crime, I tend to say abuse. Um, I think that's sort of the most basic one. But, you know, one thing that I also was really interested in when I was doing research on this case, I found that a lot of the true crime, you know, the true crime boards and like people who are talking about this case, they tend to be very sympathetic to him, which I was kind of surprised by. But I tend to like agree with most of the most of these comments are about like, this seems like a person who if they had just gotten professional help early on, this might not have happened at all. Um, so I tend to agree with that. But um, yeah. Alyssa, I have to chime in here as Betty Broderick. I really appreciated what you said about my case. Um, you yeah. cited lack of resources. And I think maybe we can give that same generosity to Ed Gein and put lack of resources up on the board. I like that. I don't know how I feel about like having Betty Broderick tell me that she likes what I said about her, but you know, I'll take it. <laughs> We're best friends. Amanda. <laughs> Amanda, please, please. You're solid expert. Scaring the expert. Okay, are we ready to share the board? I'll screen share if we are. Let's do it. Okay. Now we're gonna. Anything else? Do you guys want to add anything else to the board? I mean, we're about to take a look, and we we can always add stuff as we go. (laughs) Okay. Ready to pop the question. 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So we're kind of going to narrow it down to maybe six, and then we're uh, going to ask the audience, we're going to take a poll and ask the audience what mm-hmm. they think. Um, so Chris, why don't you uh, tell us what's on the board? Who's to blame for Ed Gein? Okay, here we go. Who's to blame for Ed Gein? The fashion industry, Gein's parents, religious fanaticism, Wisconsin, Midwestern pleasantries, patriarchy, DIYing. Only one letter away from dying. Nice touch, Amanda. Sigmund Freud, 1950s repression. Death of the Gein's, of Gein's brother. I think his name's Henry. Dim-witted local cops. Ed Gein himself. Graveyard security. Lack of ghost. <laughs> A real misplaced anger situation happening here. Necrophilia. Untreated schizophrenia. Crime porn magazines. The media. Projection. World War II, abuse, and a lack of resources. Okay, it's a doozy, guys. Um, yeah, we got a lot to cross off here. Yeah, a lot and to if, cross off. Clayton, if anyone in the chat has ideas for things to knock off, feel free to chime in. So I think we can cross lack of ghosts off. <laughs> <laughs> To start there. <laughs> to be fair, like most situations can be solved if there was some sort of like do-gooder ghost. But I don't know if that's like a solution just for this one. I think that's just generally like if you had a little friendly ghost, they could solve any problem. Is that what your movie's about, Bria? I wish. I could write that now. <laughs> 
I'm just a big Casper head over here. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Now, the misplaced anger, we got to keep it. Ed Gein, he has to say, grave security, I think we can take them off for now. Um, They didn't do a good job. And most of the things, as we know, uh, that go wrong are because people are not doing their jobs, right? But um, not this one. Not this one. Now, Wisconsin, do we feel like we, we they need to stay up there or can we take that down? <laughs> I think they need to stay. Okay, okay. What about Midwestern pleasantries? I mean, that's like lack of alarmism. That one, I, feels, I, kind of, that, that one feels victim blamey to me a little bit. Mm, okay, mm. so let's take that one off. But you got to be alarmed, people. And if you, you know, you got to say something if you feel yeah. uncomfortable. I feel like DIYing, I, I, I appreciate a good DIY moment. And I feel like that's blaming some nice folks. <laughs> I don't feel like he felt like he's part of the DIY community or something. It was like, I got to make this new bedside table or whatever. Well, I will. I, although I will say, I just have a feeling that if there were a Joanne Fabrics sort of within a few miles from him, this whole thing could have been avoided. He just seems like a craftsman at heart. <laughs> yes. No, no small time town craft store uh, around now. Yeah. Yeah, Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Could have done it. Could have done it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I feel like we can get rid of crime porn magazines and necrophilia only because crime porn magazines are like what Bria was saying about Marilyn Manson. You know, it's like Marilyn Manson wasn't responsible for Columbine crime porn magazines weren't responsible for Ed Gein. Right. And that's good news for Bria because she lives with John. Who... <laughs> right. Writes a good crime porn magazine. Who <laughs> loves her bed. <laughs> likes to get in bed with a warm glass of milk and a crime porn magazine. <laughs> okay. So, and, and yes, Amanda, I agree. Necrophilia. Um, I, we can take that off. I, I think there's something, I, I mean, it does translate into that, right? But there's something bigger here. We got to get to the bottom. I, I don't love the fashion industry, but I don't feel like they're to blame for this particular atrocity. Yeah, it's unfortunate because we're we've, we're still trying to get them in our jail, and they're slippery. They're a slippery mm-hmm. legging, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we're keep. So how about Sigmund Freud? No, he should not be on there. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. I think get rid of him. And I think the dim-witted local cops, I think we can give them a break too, because they were just being, I mean. I, I being mean, uh, uh, <laughs> being Alyssa, they were being folksy, but Alyssa made a good point where it's like, uh, I guess you can't blame them for not having the, you know, forensic ability yet. Right. It's it's yeah, 1950s. It's it's really difficult too because the amount of insanity that was going on in that house, I don't think anyone pre-Ed Gein would have ever suspected that. Right. It'd be like if you walked into someone's house and there was like a black hole in there right now, like something you had <laughs> never seen. It was just so wild that like they couldn't have predicted that. Okay. I think that's a good point. Now, we've still got Gein's parents, religious fanaticism, Wisconsin, the patriarchy, 1950s repression, 
death of Henry, his brother, Ed Gein himself, misplaced anger, uh, untreated schizophrenia, the media, projection, World War II, abuse, lack of resources. I feel like we need to put so, some of these can go um, like like they can be combined. Mm. I think we can wrap up World War II can be wrapped up into 1950s repression. Okay. Um, I mean, lack of resources could kind of be wrapped up into 1950s repression also. Yeah. The expert shakes her head. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> lack of resources can be all of these patriarchy. That's right. And now what about Gein's Gein's parents are kind of similar to religious fanaticism and um, abuse also. uh, Yeah, abuse goes with the the parents, right? So we can take that. That kind of gets wrapped into it. Mm -hmm. And what was the other one, uh, Amanda? Um, What did I say? The religious fanaticism. fanaticism wrap up into the parents also yes or what do you guys think i think so i mean yeah it seems like the same source kind of the parents are the source of the abuse and the fanaticism or it could go into 1950s repression but it could go somewhere Mm, right so we've got maybe this is uh when we should take the poll do we have Yeah, I think this is a good time. So oh, actually, real quick, Rebecca, I think we can actually take off the death of the brother. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely allowed him to have a year with his mom, just alone with his mom. <laughs> it's very sketchy. Um, but I, I I think that that's not the reason um, that... Ed Gein murdered people. Yeah. What so if, why don't we have, Oh, go ahead. Bridget, sorry. Oh, sorry. Say that again. I was said, what is projection? What was that? I don't remember what this one was. It's us really projecting all of these things that we're talking about onto Ed himself, you know? Um, yeah. I think what Alyssa was talking about was that it was like, um, and I'm just curious about this too. It's like, what, what, what causes us to project our fears and stuff onto this case, right? Like we're projecting all of our fears onto Ed. Right. And it's probably like, maybe it's because it's so hard to comprehend. We don't know what to do with this information. So limit human mind limitations. (laughs) Sure. Mind limitations. It's a little bit meta to do projection because it's like, why yeah, are we I even like discussing this? Projection is like for later, but it's not for the actual like crime. Yes. Okay. So let's just um, real quick, our producers behind the scenes, if you can use um, start the poll and then, um, yeah, we'll get this poll to the audience and then we'll get those results as soon as, as soon as you're ready to send us those. Yes. And once, uh, once they give us the go ahead, everyone, uh, please go on the chat and vote for who you think is to blame, who or what. Um, Make sure to do that. Um, And in the meantime, I think we can keep discussing, kind of getting an idea of where our minds are at. Because I'm 
I'm a little bit veering towards 1950s repression. <laughs> and in a way, like, doesn't that kind of go in the, the patriarchy and 90, 1950s uh, repression really go hand in hand, right? Yeah, I think that's right. And in a way, yeah, I mean, sure. like, I think, like, in the 1950s, also, like, it was a little bit, oh, but, like, more okay to abuse your children. <laughs> it's still not okay, but it was less looked down upon. So the 19, just like the era led to different behaviors within the family structure, maybe. Right. That's, that's a good point. Okay, everyone, please uh, go and vote. Uh, the poll is ready for everyone. So uh, go on the chat and vote, and we should have those results very soon. Um, but I think that's a good point, Bria. Like, I mean, I think the parents should still stay up, right? But somehow the, the religious fanaticism, like, it kind of, I think we can take that off, right, Amanda? Yeah, I mean, I think like that was the source of some of the abuse that went on, but I don't think that Ed Gein was driven by that exactly. Although I hate it and we could slap it. Right. It's always good uh, to slap uh, religious really, fanaticism. You know, the thing about religious fanaticism, it feels like that was just one of the tools in Gein's mom's tool belt in a way. Because like she did a lot of shady stuff with all of the abuse when he was younger that it's almost like her she just kind of used whatever she could and i'm not circling her because he, he his dad's involved too because his dad's getting drunk all the time and all that stuff so the parents i would say that the religious fanaticism kind of gets rolled into parents and kind of 50s repression as well right mm -hmm. so okay i think the uh the results are in. Yeah, why don't we see the chart? Um, I think Amanda, you have to take down the. Uh, oh, do I stop the share? Okay. Board. Let's see here. And we should see what the I'm audience nervous. thinks. I'm nervous. What our yeah, listeners are going to say. So exciting! Whoa! Oh, it's, it's close. A close one. Oh my god! I don't think Even it's ever been this close. There's a tie. Gein's oh, yeah, parents and Ed Gein himself. <gasps> a family <laughs> affair. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay. So just so our listeners know, um, there's a tie between Gein's parents and Ed Gein uh, with 14% schizo. Uh, no, that's 1950s repression. 19% um, goes to untreated schizophrenia. Um, those are the big ones, really, uh, the patriarchy not getting a lot of traction with only 3.7% of the audience. Um, and also Wisconsin getting off the hook, uh, with only 3.7%. Um, <laughs> okay. Wait. And so now oh, yeah, the yeah, polls yeah. updating in real time. So now actually Gein's parents have pulled ahead and they're at 29% while Ed Gein himself is at 25%. It's a live horse race going on here, ladies and gentlemen. And this is That's exciting. Right. Again, Gene's parents gets another vote, cruising to 32.51%. So, I think we are kind of zeroing in on the top four, which are Gene's parents, Ed Gene himself, 
the untreated schizophrenia and 1950s repression. And I'm biased. That's got the least votes of everything. But I, I, I still think 1950s repression should get some kind of slap situation. Yeah, I agree. It was not a good time to deal with anything. They were not dealing with things. And there was definitely not. Because I, I think the get like, it's just you have a Venn diagram is what's happening is that the, the mother is like in reinforcing the repression of the era. And so it's just sort of all the same thing in some ways. So do you, do we think that the uh, repression kind of folds into the parents? Is that, are they the same thing? Their parenting style and the repression? Well, he, cause he wasn't getting, I mean, the only other thing he was really consuming outside of what his parents told him were the crime porn magazines, right? Yes. So, and those were not really about repression. So the repression kind of came from the parents in some ways. Right. So choice, Rebecca, but I guess it's ultimately yours. Well, I, uh, people are going to get mad at me for not sending Ed Gein to jail. <laughs> but the expert backs you up, right, Alyssa? You'll, you'll condone this decision. <laughs> we can forward the emails to you. <laughs> So well, okay. Ed you know, he he was in a he was in a home for the criminally insane for a very long time. So he didn't actually go to jail. So he was in a different institution. So here you go. Okay. Okay. So I think I'm gonna call it. I think I think the parents are gonna go to jail. And I think the 50s repression style is getting slapped. They're getting okay. a, a big slap. All right, I'm calling it. 1950s repression. You're getting the big slap. <laughs> Ed Gein's parents. You're going to the alarmist jail. <laughs> well, I mean, we did it. Once Clayton, again, we the, saved the day. <laughs> what's the chat saying, Clayton? Are they mad? Uh, well, no, I think there was a lot of love for the parents. I apologize. I had a little technical difficulty, so I would have liked to pop on sooner, but here I am. <laughs> I will say something that did happen, a little side conversation that I thought you would like to know is that, that someone posed the question, who would play Ed Gein in the biopic? And we had some pretty choice answers. We got Kevin Hart, Tom Hanks, Jerry Seinfeld, Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> Jessica Chastain, Betty White, and Justin Bieber. And so I posed the question, who would play us in the biopic of this episode? And we got, these are the answers, which I really enjoyed. Okay. Uh, so one person said Eddie Murphy would play all of us. Another person said Tylee, Tyler Perry would play all of us. But Amanda, you would be played by Betty White. So that's, <laughs> just know Thank that. Thank you. Wow. 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 I mean, I, this has been so much fun. And thank you so much, uh, everyone, for joining us and helping us get down to the bottom of who's to blame for serial killer Ed Gein. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you, uh, Bria and John, Clayton, Chris, Amanda, my peeps. Um, you're the best. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Alarmy. Bye. Bye, guys. Okay. After Ed Gein's murders, on July 26, 1984, 
Mickey died of complications from cancer in a Wisconsin prison at age 77. Gein had been the inspiration for more horror has been the inspiration for more horror movie killers than probably any other real-life criminal. Starting first with the infamous Norman Bates and continuing on in recent years with characters like Dr. Oliver Threadson in American Horror Story Asylum, directors have often used his crimes as inspiration for their own twisted villains. Examples include Psycho, Deranged, the Texas Baseball Massacre, The Silence of the Lambs, and two movies called Ed Gein. In the year 2000, Ed Gein's gravestone went missing. It was recovered a year later after a man was found to have stolen it. It was, it has, it was making, he was making rubbings of it and selling them online. Well, thank you so much, everyone. That is our show. Thank you, HouseSeats.Live, for always running a technically perfect virtual live show. And check out our upcoming events on our website. That's TheAlarmistPodcast.com. Tune in next week. We will be talking about the breakup of the Spice Girls. See everyone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.